everyone, and welcome to the Fantasy Consigliere Podcast. I'm your host, Dylan Chapin. For this episode, I'm going to hit every week five game with nuggets for each matchup. Let's get right into it. On Thursday night, Rams at Seahawks. I'm not sure what's going on with Chris Carson. I think he was dealing with cramps a couple of weeks ago, but his workloads have been limited in back-to-back games, and I'm hoping it had to do with a short week this week for a big matchup against the Rams. Fortunately, the goal line carries are still there. At least there's no reason to believe they won't be. And I hope Seattle gets him more involved as a receiver. At Y, DK Metcalf is too good to ever consider benching. But I'd expect Jalen Ramsey will be better than the playoff game in January when the Rams allowed him to catch five passes for 96 yards and two scores. Again, you're not benching him, but get something to keep in mind for DFS play. For the Rams, Robert Woods got on the board with a score last week. But his usage has been concerning. And Van Jefferson, on the other hand, has trended up for this season and beyond. Through four games, his snap percentages have been 69%, 92%, 77%, and 68%. I like the talent coming out of Florida, and the Rams will continue to get everyone involved behind Cooper Cup. To start off Sunday's action, we get our first London game of the year with the Jets taking on the Falcons. Feels like I've said this pretty much every episode. From a dynasty perspective, I'm still buying or holding Elijah Moore and Denzel Mims. Mims didn't have a catcher target last week, but I'm hoping that he'll eventually emerge, whether it's with the Jets or someone else. For more and all these rookie receivers that haven't contributed really yet. Look back in the past at guys like Odell, Beckham Jr., and A.J. Brown, and it took some time for them to become stars. I'd have patience in both redraft and dynasty leagues. In the backfield, Michael Carter's workload is encouraging, but he might not be explosive enough to reach preseason expectations considering the state of the offense. He's currently averaging 3.4 yards per carry and 4.0 yards per target. And I still like Tevin Coleman, who is finally involved as a receiver and could chip away at goal line touches. The Falcons, on the other hand, have arguably a top 24 option at running back into Cordero Patterson. But overall, I think production will begin to slant some towards Calvin Ridley and Kyle Pitts. Both players are too talented to not break out, and I'm optimistic that a change in continent could help them emerge on Sunday. Moving to the 1 p.m. slate, Patriots at Houston. Mac Jones was excellent against the Bucs, but I'm expecting a run-heavy game in Houston, and the hope is Damien Harris will come through as a borderline RB1, RB2 option. I thought he had more to offer as a receiver than he's shown so far in his career. And this season, Harris has caught seven of eight targets for 46 yards. His strength will always be as a runner, but J.J. Taylor's fumble, combined with the obvious injury to James White, could open up more pass-catching work for Harris. For the Texans' backfield, no backs need to be rostered, and the offense in general will be someone to attack for as long as Tyrod Taylor remains out. Next up, Lions at Vikings. Minnesota showed continued big play exposure against the Browns despite holding them to 14 points as Odell Beckham Jr. was able to get loose a few times deep. That said, Detroit might not have the weapons to take advantage on the outside, so look for them to continue playing through Jamal Williams, DeAndre Swift, and TJ Hawkinson. Williams, in particular, will remain a strong flex option, coming off the season-high 14 carries and 66 rushing yards. The Vikings just struggled to contain both David Montgomery and Damian Williams in Week 4. For the Vikings, I'm curious about when Chris Herndon will become more of a factor. They traded a fourth-round pick for him, but he's yet to be targeted this year and Tyler Conklin was quiet against the Browns. Redraft value is far away for Herndon, but he's worth a dynasty stash in my opinion. Next up, Eagles at Panthers. Jalen Hurts has had fantasy point totals of 28.76, 21.8, 20.54, and 28.18 through four weeks. It sounds like the Eagles aren't in on Deshaun Watson, which is really the only concern for Hurts, as it would make zero sense to bench him if the tough schedule leads to a 1-5 start. The offensive line has struggled. But Hertz has remained poised, and I'm still optimistic about him long-term. At running back, though, I'd be looking to sell Miles Sanders in both redraft and dynasty leagues. 
I know he's averaging a high yards per carry clip, but Kenneth Gainwell has looked like the better runner and even big runs by Sanders. He will sometimes run into a blocker and he just doesn't have great vision. There will be big games and big plays, but he's a little too boomer bust for me. In the Carolina backfield, it sounds like Christian McCaffrey may already return and Chuba Hubbard, even as a starter, was essentially in a split with Rodney Smith and Royce Freeman. He'll remain an RB2 flex option if he draws another start, but the lack of production just shows how good McCaffrey is. Saints at Washington. Michael Thomas is going to be the player most talk about returning soon, but the Saints badly need Traquan Smith back to stretch the field and create more big plays. Until that happens, don't be surprised if Taysom Hill continues to get increased work alongside Jameis Winston. Even in a good matchup this week, I have a difficult time trusting Jameis as anything more than a low-end QB2. For Alvin Kamara, the usage has been great in terms of carries with a career-high 24 and 26 in back-to-back weeks, but I'm guessing fantasy owners actually wish it was closer to previous years when his receiving output is what made him a cheat code. I'm hopeful that's the case when everyone gets healthy for the Saints. For Washington, Terry McLaurin had the big game we were expecting last week, and now is a good time to invest in Curtis Samuel. He caught all four of his targets on 25 snaps in his debut, and he should be an every-down player as soon as this week. Now is also a good time to invest in A.J. Brown, as I stated last week, and he remains a top buy-low candidate. I'm guessing he'll miss another game, but maybe the loss will make it more likely that he returns, and there will be holes for Ryan Tannehill with Jacksonville sure to sell out to stop Derrick Henry, similar to how they did Joe Mixon last week. For the Jags' offense, they seem to finally have realized that James Robinson is their best player right now, and while I haven't done rest of season rankings yet, I'm assuming he'll be back close to where I had him in the draft rankings when he was the RB14 in half PPR leagues. At receiver, Jack Smeal had an unfortunate break for DJ Shark, and I'd like to see extended opportunities for Tyron Johnson behind Marvin Jones and LaVisca Chenault. Johnson flashed last year with the Chargers, and he could stretch the field similar to Chark. For now, he's worth considering in DFS play. Staying in Florida, Miami takes on the Bucks this weekend. Mike Isicki has come alive with Jacoby Brissett, and Miami needs to make sure that continues when Tua returns. Game flow and matchup both should be in Kasiki's favor against Tampa Bay on Sunday. The Bucks just allowed touchdowns to both Hunter Henry and Joe New Smith on Sunday night. For the Dolphins, I'd like to see Jalen Waddle get matched up on Richard Sherman and a big play is bubbling for the rookie. No Will Fuller should lead to expanded downfield opportunities and I have Waddle firmly in the top 30 for week five. Ideally, the Dolphins will be forced into a shootout as Tampa Bay's offense quickly gets back on track. Last week was a unique game with Brady's return and the weather playing a factor but the offense will be fine whether or not they have Gronk this week. For Green Bay and Cincinnati, Joe Mixon sounds like he will miss at least one week, but Samaj P. Ryan isn't an automatic start against Green Bay's defense. The Packers have often crowded the line of scrimmage, so we'll see if that continues against Jamar Chase, hopefully healthy T. Higgins, and Tyler Boyd. On the other side, A.J. Dillon is a top waiver ad if he was dropped in your league, and you can find our full waiver wire rankings on wolfsports.com. No Marquez Valdez-Scantling could lead to more run balance, over the next couple of games. Also, I'm expecting a breakout performance from Robert Tunyon in week five. Jacksonville probably could have kept going to Dan Arnold last week, but they went away from him in his first game with the team, and Tunyon is primed for a multi-score performance. To close out the 1 p.m. slate, the Broncos take on the Steelers. This is probably not the spot where Big Ben will get on track, but for anyone looking ahead, especially in super flex leagues, I like the matchup versus the Seahawks in week six. At wide receiver, James Washington remains a great, cheap target in dynasty leagues and he should shine in 2022, likely with a new team. For Denver, I think Javante Williams continues to be a bit overvalued for 2021. Melvin Gordon saw more carries and more targets on Sunday, and with Denver playing to win this year, I'm not sure the rookie will become the lead back without an injury. Bears at Raiders, I'm optimistic about Allen Robinson this week, as he's too good of a player to not eventually snap out of a cold start, and there were opportunities 
missed for Mike Williams last night. At running back, Damian Williams was looking like he had almost no standalone value after zero touches in week three, but he's now one of the top ads on the waiver wire, and his versatility should allow him to thrive against Vegas, who just allowed a big game to Austin Eckler. For the passing attack of the Raiders, I expect Derek Carr to attack everyone but Jalen Johnson, and I'd still be investing in Brian Edwards at receiver. Moving on to the Browns versus the Chargers, I don't think Cleveland's front will have success getting to Justin Herbert compared to what they've done the past two games, and there's no reason to downgrade the L.A. offense in Week 5. For the Browns, Nick Chubb has at least 83 rushing yards in all four games, and a touchdown explosion will soon come. That's especially true with Odell Beckham Jr. showing great effectiveness stretching the field. He should have had a monster game last week if not underthrown multiple times, and he looks to be in great shape. I'd be buying low if available in your league. Now for an NFC East matchup, Giants at Dallas. Daniel Jones looks like an every week borderline QB1, but Kenny Galladay could be in a tough spot against the ball-hawking Trevon Diggs. Also, I'm not sure it's happening this year with Evan Ingram. His role is all underneath stuff, and the team has plenty of weapons when Sterling Shepard and Darius Layton are back. For Dallas, they will continue to be balanced depending on the opponent, and the Giants haven't been as stout as expected versus the run. I'd downgrade Amari Cooper for a matchup against a defense that limited him to 64 scoreless yards and two 2020 matchups. To start off the Niners and Cardinals, it's interesting that Jimmy Garoppolo isn't yet ruled out for Week 5, but although Trey Lance looked erratic and extended action last week, the rushing upside would make him a top streaming option in redraft leagues. For the Cardinals, I still love the talent of Rondell Moore, and there will be big games. But A.J. Green and Christian Kirk look like the guys to own behind DeAndre Hopkins. Kirk was quiet last week, but that's always been the case against the Rams for whatever reason, and he's had some strong showings versus the Niners. Moving on to Sunday night, Josh Allen has actually faced Kansas City only two times, and this will be the easiest matchup yet based on defensive issues for the Chiefs to begin the season. I'd expect rushing to be a big part of the game plan, and Allen is my top quarterback play for Week 5. We're also still waiting on a full-blown breakout for Stephon Diggs, and I think it'll come this week. He's been under 80% of the snaps played over the past three games due to eventual blowouts, but Kansas City doesn't have anyone that could cover him. Like Allen, he's my top play at the position. For Kansas City, you're obviously playing the studs Mahomes, Kelsey, Hill, and while Josh Gordon is not a highly recommended start this week, this is the kind of game they got him for with AFC playoff implications on the line. To close out week five, Colts at Ravens. Maybe the knee injury played a factor, but there's no reason for Jonathan Taylor to hover around 50% of the snaps played. For the positives, he looked good, had 100 yards last week, is averaging slightly more receiving numbers in 2020, and the offensive line will eventually get healthy. If he has a less than spectacular game this week, I'd be looking to buy. For the Baltimore backfield, Latavius Murray appears to be the clear lead back as a north-south between the tackles runner with the goal line roll. He handled 18 carries last week, and he should be picked up if somehow available on the wire. Also, Rashad Bateman is worth an ad for the Ravens based on his combination of talent, the injury history of Brown and Watkins, and the surprising amount of passing Baltimore has done. We'll see if he makes his debut on Monday night. You can find our full rankings at wolfsports.com, and be sure to listen to our general NFL podcast, the Wolf Sports Show for added NFL insights. Until next time, I'm Dylan Chapin, and this was the Fantasy Consigliere Podcast.